Don't call it a comb back. I'll have hair for years. Wake up in the morning feeling like P. Diddy. Hey, what up, Grab girl? my glasses. I'm out the door. I'm gonna hit this city. Let's Before go. I leave, brush my teeth with a bottle of Jack. Cause when I leave for the night, I ain't coming back. I'm talking. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios. They spiked it on first down, wasted that. Right. Did I lose you both? Good lord. All right. This is the press box. Did we just lose Tyler? Oh, okay. Yes, it does. It looks like we've lost Tyler and uh, Ed. Well, this is good. With Grainy and Bischoff. Oh, it's great, Jared. On ESPN Las Vegas. Oh, thank you, Jared. I'm an idiot. Well, we're not going to argue there. ESPN 1100-100.9 FM. It's Ed and Jared today. Tyler is off pretending to be a family man with the girlfriend's family. Nobody believes that. So we'll start with some VGK. The first bite. How can the Montreal Canadiens win this series against the Golden Knights? They can do it, my friend. They can do it. They're minus 260 tonight. Puck drops at six. It's game one of the West uh, of the Stanley Cup semifinals, VGK against Montreal. Okay. So VGK is a huge favorite, Jared, in this series. And I don't think anyone expects Montreal to advance, but no one expected Dallas to beat the Knights last year in the semis. They did in five games. So we're going to give you a few things about why the Canadians can emerge from the series because all we really talk about is VGK and how good they are, and they are that good, and they took care of Minnesota, they took care of Colorado, but can they take care of the Canadians? You ready for this? I, I am oh, I'm okay. on the edge of my I seat. I know. I just see. You ready for the first? This is, this is I like when Bischoff's gone because I can do my own analytics. This is my own analytics. This is Grainy's called the eye test. Yes, this is the <laughs> <laughs> I begin and end with the eye test. That's pretty much it. Ready? No shots, no chance. <laughs> You like that one? Yeah, that's uh, pretty good. Montreal needs at least 20, 25 to 30 shots tonight. This is what they can't do. They can't be color. They cannot be Colorado. And Colorado had two games against the Knights where they had 18 and 20 shots because there's no Nathan McKinnon. There's no Kale McCarr. This is not a team in Montreal that has these huge offensive weapons that the uh, you know that the Avalanche had, and Avalanche still couldn't get it for, done for two games. So if you're telling me Nick Suzuki, fine young player, you know Toffoli. Good player, rookie and Cole Caulfield, good player, but there's no like outstanding star that you're gonna look to and say, oh boy, they really need to shut him down like they did McKinnon, uh, like they did some of the uh, Avalanche players to get it done. So, no shots, no chance. Ready for another one? Yeah, I'm, yeah. you you you've don't got, have to ask me. I'm ready. Got, I'm, you've been got ready, man. two Hall of Fame goalies and Carey Price and Mark Andre Fleury. Wow. All right. Well. <laughs> Still, look, if Eric Spolster's a Hall of Famer, Carey Price and Mark Andre Fleury are Hall of Famers. You got one first ballot Hall of Famer, and then another guy who's going to get put in by the Legacy Committee. I'm not going to ask you which one you think. Carey Price did not have a good regular season save percentage of uh, literally, uh, basically ninety minus one point five goals saved above, above expected. Now, though, in the playoffs, the guy's been absolutely lights out. Mark Andre Fleury's having the best uh, season of his career. So. Carey Price has to outplay Marc-Andre Fleury. That's, it's as simple as that. I'm giving you simple stuff here, simple analytics. Here we go again. Montreal has to be better at being Minnesota than Minnesota was Minnesota. This is who Montreal is. They're going to not allow the Golden Knights or try not to allow the Golden Knights to get inside of them, to get to the middle of the ice. They're going to defensively be physical. They've been the best defensive team in the entire playoffs. So Montreal, if they keep it up defensively, 
have a chance to keep these scores within three, two, two, one, whatever, you know, whatever score you want to say out there and does and don't let it get out of control with the Knights on odd man rushes and get their speed going with Stevenson and Tuck and others and give Price a hard time with, uh, you know, high danger chances. So there you go. The youngest team in the NFL, in the NHL, the youngest team in the NHL has to be better than the oldest team in the NHL. The Suzuki's, the Caulfield's have to be better than the Stones and Patrick's. That's kind of the outlier. Okay, good luck that, with yes, that. Yes, that's the kind of the outlier of what I'm saying here in terms of how Montreal's going to beat VGK. Of all the things I've said so far, possibly analytically in a, in a few places for Tyler, that's usually the long shot, though, that the youngest team is going to outdo the oldest team. Did you know it was young against old? I mean, I knew that the Golden Knights somehow went from, like, this young spry team to this team that looks like sometimes they're skating in hummus. Yes, they're, so, they're a little older now, except, yeah. except for the, you know, the Tucks and the uh, and the Stevensons with their speed. They're a little older. Uh, so here's the – I want to talk to you about this because the next thing is taking, taking advantage of home ice advantage. This is going to – work with me here. So Montreal – is the first Canadian team to play in the U.S. in 460 days because of the pandemic. That's a long time. Yeah. No Canadian team has played on the road in the United States for 460 days. T-Mobile tonight and Wednesday night will be out of control. As I wrote in the oh. paper in my Patrelli, in my um, Petrangelo column today, it's Disneyland on, on, on speed. I mean, that's what T-Mobile is. They're genuinely going to walk in there and go, oh, crap, we can't yes. talk to each other on the ice. Right. They've never seen anything like this in over a year. But let me ask you this, because when they go back to Montreal for games three and four, I I believe the number's 2,500, maybe 3,000. It's going to be completely opposite of what the Golden Knights have been used to. But it is what Montreal has been used to. And they play. They went from the bubble to very few fans. Now, that sounds a little crazy where, well, there won't be the atmosphere. But when you have to energize yourself when you have to create your own motivation and your own energy and your own emotions sometimes that doesn't work as well as people just think it is it's not that easy so if they could steal a game here and we saw minnesota do it we saw others be able to do it not colorado obviously we mm -hmm. saw what they did here but minnesota was able to do it if they could steal one of these two I actually think they have someone an advantage going back there. That's a weird thing to do. The Knights have been in this arena, and in Col by the way, Colorado had over 10,000 fans, and they were really good, and it was really loud, really smart fans, intelligent, know when to cheer and when not to. Now you're going into a situation in Montreal where the atmosphere, they'll be loud. Uh, did you see the uh, kind of Montreal nutjob uh, fan on Twitter the other day where he said 2,500 sounds like 25,000? Like, pump the brake, my friend. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, it doesn't. You might be loud. You're obviously very intelligent fans, so they're going to know the game as well as anyone. But 2,500 does not correlate or sound like 25,000. So I actually think Montreal, and again, here's the hard part about this whole explanation, is stealing one here. They're minus 260 tonight. I, I just... I don't see that happening as much as well, I see this thing be turning into what we keep joking about, which is it's not going to be a series till game five. Yes, until someone loses on their home ice, it's not a series. And we've got that coming up in the NBA. We finally have a few series in the NBA. Uh, so if they go back, if they can steal one here and go back, I think they have somewhat of an advantage. That sounds weird, but again, look, this team has won seven straight in the playoffs, down 3-1 to Toronto, seven straight in the playoffs, and they haven't trailed. That's pretty incredible. Like, they weren't down like 1-0 or, you know, 2-1. They haven't trailed. Now, mostly because that's Price is playing out of his mind. They're Their really defense. good defensively. 
you know, they don't let you get inside of them. They push you to the outside. All the things I think the Knights and Pete DeBoer have seen on film. And that's another thing. And I, Ben Goetz, uh, my colleague at the Review Journal, asked uh, DeBoer a good question over the weekend. Like, you, you're only going off film with these guys. You haven't played him in yeah. a really long time. And you can only do so much in film. And, and Riley Smith said that it's going to take tonight two or three shifts to get down, whether it's the speed of each team, whether it's the physicality of each team, you know, feel them out in somewhat of like, okay, these are who these guys are. You can't, you can see so much on film, but until you're on ice with people and you're actually seeing what they're bringing, it's really hard. So, and I will say this, that's almost an opportunity for the Knights to take advantage with their speed early, like in the first couple of shifts. And like, just because I, I don't know if Montreal's going to be, you know, ready for, you know, whether it's Stevenson speed or I don't know who. Pete's going to start, but tuck speed. I think people are shocked at tuck speed of how big he is. They might get fortunate and get one early and get that crowd into it. And if that's the case, then I do think it's hard for Montreal to steal one. So I was trying to think of a couple different metaphors for the idea of the Golden Knights going up to Canada. And one, like the only thing I could think of is it's like you get to go home to your garage, but you can't go in your house. Yes. Like that's the I only like thing that. I can I like think that. of. of Did like, you just think of that off the top of your head? No, I literally was. I like sat. At, I sat last night trying to think of like you're going from like this raucous area yes. to be like I. Oh, I guess I'm. I mean, technically, I'm back in my home country, yeah. but I can't really do anything. You so you are literally going from Disneyland to your garage. Yeah, because that's so, what T-Mobile is. And you know, here's the thing: I don't believe. I don't know what you think. It, it was the Colorado players who said that the T-Mobile experience gets them as fired up as anyone else. I don't know. The way we saw them play here now, let's be honest, in Game 3, they were five minutes away from going up 3-0, so maybe it did work for them. But we saw what happened in other games there. I think that's something athletes say. They're certainly not going to say we're intimidated. They're certainly not going to say we're worried about. They're certainly not going to say, yes, the crowd affected us in a negative way. We couldn't hear each other. Right. They're not going to say that. But 460 days later, for a Canadian team to come into the States to play, and that's the first you know, first atmosphere they get. I think they'd rather even have Colorado's atmosphere. You know, like I said, 10,000 were a lot, but it You're, wasn't like this. There's, in my mind, there is a good chance that this first period, they, afterwards, they have a huge lull because they're going to be so hyped out of their mind being like, we got fans, we got fans. Right. Right. There are right. people in the building that they're going to be like, okay, that was, whew. Well, I think just the intros. I, yeah. I mean, I just think those interests in the Golden Knights, they're going to be looking around saying, man, it is loud in here. And maybe they do use it as juice. Maybe they do use it as motivation. I'm not sure. I think it's more apt that can they slow the Golden Knights down once the game begins? You know, can Toffoli or anyone, you know, you know, get the best of Flurry? We'll see about that. The final thing of why the Canadians can win the series. If we had a cage match between Yuppie and Chance, I'm taking the Canadians mascot. Let me tell you a little story. First of all, <sighs> He's the only mascot ever to change leagues. Remember when the Expos went? Yes. He yes. had to go to the Canadians. The only mascot, uh, I believe, from Canada who's in the Hall of Fame of mascots. And the only mascot to be thrown out and ejected from a major league baseball game. Now, that is a huge advantage over Chance. And another thing, this Chance person, I wrote that in the paper. Chance reaches out on Twitter to me. Chance. I get, a, I get a tweet from Chance saying, what do you mean big advantage? It took that guy 25 years to get to semifinal. I've been three in four years. Listen, my friend, if you're listening, Chance, get thrown out of a game, switch to the Raiders, and get in the Hall of Fame, and then talk to me. So <laughs> I'm, taking, to the I'm taking Yuppie, 
in a cage match. And if it came down to the mascots, forget about it. The Montreal Canadiens would advance, maybe in five. I don't know. I mean, a gentleman sweep, yeah. A gentleman sweep. See, the baseball fan in me is like, you're 100% right. Yuppie. It's Yuppie. It's yes. Yuppie. Yes. Come Yuppie. on. Come on. The literally, whenever somebody says, whenever the Nationals got, like, whenever the Nationals were created, the first thing out of your mouth should be, poor Yuppie. Yeah. Like, I should almost be happy because I told you in the past, and I've told you this a lot with being a columnist, like, you want, like, you don't really care how people respond because that means they read. So yeah. if 90% of the people, like, hate the column or hate me, that's fine. At least you read it. So I did my job there. Like, the worst columns are you don't get any response. Like, oh, man, I really failed that one. Like, I didn't get any emails. I get nothing. Obviously, I failed that day miserably. I kind of backed off on that statement hearing from Chance. Like, I don't want to hear from him. I yeah, really don't want to tweet from... him. I don't want anything really to do with that situation. But when he tweeted me yesterday, I'm like, eh. Now, I will say he had a good comeback because he 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 said I've been to the uh, semis three out of four years, and I was the fan favorite mascot in the NHL. To which I replied, "Well, you know, the problem was they misspelled gritty, which was really weird." Now he did have a good comeback, and he said, "Well, I'll spell gritty's name right when I leave him tickets at the game." <laughs> so he said, "Mascot shade." I gave him the like on Twitter, hit the like, yeah. and then I muted the conversation because you know when he starts, like the fans, the weird fans are just going to go crazy. I said, "I got to write today. I don't have chance. I don't have a." Why don't you support the hometown team? Yes, I don't have time for like seventy-six notifications and my phone ringing all day because Chance is unhappy that I said Yuppie's a better mascot. Ed, why aren't you a division of the PR department of the Golden yes, Knights? Why am I not tweeting about great things about the Golden Knights? All right, I have one final question that I thought of, and I think you. You're you're you are too young for this, but is this the closest thing we'll have in the modern era to like before interleague play? Because these teams haven't played each other all year. No, they haven't. Yeah. So it's it's genuinely yeah. just like you show up and you're like, uh, we watched some of their games. I'm a fan of interleague play. You? Uh, no, not really. But okay. I'm also not a fan you're of a purist. The, I'm not a fan of the DH either. So okay. I'm. <laughs> No, I this is a, a that's a good five year old man. You've got uh, interleague play and garage not being able to get into your house. You are yes. off and running today. I appreciate uh, the creativity. All right, we are off and running. And again, Tyler's off today. We'll update you on his whereabouts soon. But when we come back, oh, the NBP. Get out of here, Jokic. Giannis, three pointer. Got it. Rattled in ABC for the MVP. Easy as one, two, three. Holiday into the lane. Lobbed Giannis. Slam dunk with the right hand. Spectacular play by Giannis on a lob by Holiday. Bucks up 17. You're sitting in the press box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas. Follow them on Twitter at Ed Graney and Bischoff underscore Tyler. All right, it's Ed and Jared today on a Monday. The Jameson, Jameson Welsh at 9 o'clock to go over all the NBA playoffs. But uh, we'll give you a little uh, review here. So Denver's out. Suns sweep. Uh, they are going to wait the uh, winner of Clippers Jazz, and that thing might go seven. So the Suns are going to have a lot of time off. Interesting thing yesterday, and I want to get your thoughts because the MVP, Nikola Djokic, uh, was tossed flagrant two. Uh, 352 remaining in the third. Nuggets jump eight. So here's the thing: he didn't get a call on a on a on a runner, and he was frustrated. Uh, so he ran over and uh, Cameron Payne had received the inbounds and um, uh, or the the rebound, and uh, Jokic ran over, swiped at him. He did make contact with his face. Payne hits the floor. 
Devin Booker's mad about it. Here's what happened in terms of uh, what happened to the MVP. After replay review, Booker there is and CB3, wind CB3, up, impact, and follow through. It is a flagrant penalty two on Jokic. He's ejected from the game. There is also a technical foul on Booker for the actions during the dead ball. Fortunately, our uh, mic is not working. Well, it was working enough. Yeah, it was uh, working fine. So Jokic is out. Um, this is a hard one. I saw the windup. He did make contact with the face. There's three 352 remaining. I know, look, you don't make the call based on, well, what I'm saying, it's the NBA. He's the MVP. But I I guess I didn't have a horrible pro- problem with the call. Uh, he wound up, hit him in the face. He was frustrated, obviously. He didn't get the call at one end. More importantly to me is they just, and I, I, know, I know they were missing key players, but the fact that the Suns just rolled these dudes. And the Suns look that- really good. Is that the most incredible part? Like, I understand, yes, the MVP may have tried to quasi-punch a guy, which should be a big deal. And the the thing afterwards where they were saying, like, oh, would LeBron James have gotten that got that flag or two? Probably, Good. yeah. Yeah, no. If he if he pulls back and goes forward. I think the wind-up killed him. Yeah, Like, he, he actually wound up his arm. If he just, like, goes in and is a hard foul and kind of goes for the ball, that's one thing. You don't Flails wind his up. Arm. Then it's a flagrant one. He, he, I don't think they toss him, but it was hard not to when he literally, like, put his arm in a circle and wound up and made contact with the guy's face. Now, again, I don't know how hard it was. Cameron Payne, good job by falling and grabbing your face. Why not? I mean, you do that as much as you can. Devin Booker came in. He had a problem with it. I didn't have a problem with him getting a technical, and he probably knew that was coming, but he was going to try to protect his guy. Um, more importantly, like I said, them getting swept was uh, – I couldn't – I would not have predicted that. Now, again, given who Denver was missing, um, that's fine, but – the Suns are for real, I think. I mean, I, I'm not given given the injuries and in other series right now. All of a sudden, the Suns look a lot better than maybe when it started. The way Booker's playing, I think people are emotionally involved with getting Chris Paul to an NBA Finals. If you know, unless you're a completely anti-Sun person, I think there's a lot of people out there who like other teams. Like, you know, what would be cool if Chris Paul got to a Finals. But let's talk about a few of these other injuries. Bucks tie it up. It's not a series, Jared. It's not a series nope, yet. Not yet. Bucks 107, Nets 96. Important part there, though. Kyrie Irving exits uh, with a sprained right ankle. 604 left Oof. in the second. Landed awkwardly on on. Well, he, he lands awkwardly on Giannis's foot. He completely sprains his ankle. Uh, Nash said Steve Nash says uh, X-rays are negative. And afterwards, Giannis said, I thought he pulled his groin. So Giannis obviously has no idea what's happening on the court at any time. If he thinks a guy lands on his foot, sprains his ankle, he goes, I thought he pulled his groin. What size feet do we think Giannis has? Size 18, size 19? And he probably felt the foot on it. I see to me, I assume he would like, that was, yeah, weird. (laughs) Like, I assume that once your feet get that big, you just sort of have partial numbness always. Uh, The fact that he thought it was a groin, uh, Somewhat humorous. So they're already without Harden. He's uh, not still Dr. with the right Greek freak. No, still with the right hamstring for Harden. Irving was averaging twenty three five and five. So answer me this, because for the last six quarters, the Nets offensively, who've been the best team offensively, have disappeared for the most part offensively. Now again, you take out Kyrie, you take out Harden. That's a big reason why. But are you feeling the Bucks are kind of back in this to steal it? If this guy, and the other thing, you made a good point before the show. The the x-rays were negative. If you watch and you know anything about sprained ankles in terms of how long those guys take to recover. Now, they might tape it up and shoot them up, and that's one thing. But there's no chance he's 100% for the rest of this series. His foot was parallel to the court. 
It There's was perpendicular no to his leg. Yeah. There, I'm sorry. I've done enough, like, stupid things in my life. My foot has never done that before. Oh, yeah, it's, it's and here's the thing. It's not cliche. supposed to bend that way. No, it's cliche, but often sprains are worth. Now, if he broke it, then he'd be out. But sprains can be just as bad in terms of the, the pain for the next month and, and, and what you can and can't do. Like I said, they can tape it. They can shoot him up. They can do whatever they can to get him back on the court. But to think that Kyrie Irving is going to be the same for the rest of the series or even for the rest of the playoffs is it, silly. I mean, he's going to be hurt. So... No Harden. Nash says they don't know when Harden's going to get back. Nash says we don't want to rush him for a long-term injury. I believe Nash in that sense because here's the thing. Harden with the hamstring, these are really bad injuries to have for basketball players in a playoff series. Hamstring, can't move. The sprained ankle can't move as well. So these these are bad injuries for these guys to have. At this point, we're going to talk to Jamison again at 9 o'clock. But if I'm the Bucks right now, and the last six quarters, I've seen what I've been able to do in terms of defensively holding them down. Like, think about this. Last week, if I'd have told you, you know what, the Bucks are in this. You'd have, like laughed me out of the room, given what happened in those first two games. Well, I mean, as a Bucks fan, I would go, thanks, Ed! <laughs> uh, the one thing that I'm scared of is I don't know how reliably this Bucks team can continue to hit threes. Like, the obvious thing of, oh, we're going to have Giannis and then we're going to surround him by shooters. Right. That makes sense. This team has not been shooting well until the last, like, six quarters. The one thing okay. you don't want, I guess, is Giannis shooting threes. Except he hit one. <laughs> I, he I actually, genuinely he was actually like, made one. But Blake Griffin was so far off of him, I would have been mad. I would have been not, too. Like, Blake, Blake Griffin was back in Brooklyn. I mean, he was. <laughs> that's how far off he was. Um, yeah, I, I just think right now that's if these two guys can't go. If you're the Bucks, you're like, we're stealing the series. Now, you know, if they're all healthy, we saw what happens when they're healthy, although Harden was out in, like, within two seconds of the series starting. But if Irving is not 28-5-5, whatever he is, 23-5-5, it's a whole different series. I think you flip the—I think you flip your defensive script. Well, maybe you don't because what's—you've already had it work twice. It's not a series yet. But uh, why would it be? You flip it to the old LeBron uh, in Cleveland defense where you go, let him get his. Yeah, shut let, shut everything. Let Durant else. get forty and win the game. Yeah, because that's that's it's that simple. Because he's going to do those pull up mid ranges. Eventually, Giannis is going to come down with a rebound, go coast to coast, and it's like, okay, we just got points off a turnover. Another injury to watch, real quick. Uh, Donovan Mitchell um, also uh, hobbling. Uh, Clippers win one thirty two one oh six. It's not a series yet. They haven't lost on their home court. Kawhi and uh, PG goes for sixty five. Donovan uh, Mitchell scores 30, but the ankle uh, keeps him out uh, late in the game. They took him out. Uh, good decision there. So here we go with game four. Again, it doesn't appear like the Donovan Mitchell. He's been bugged by this ankle for a long time throughout the season. He missed the last 15 games of the regular season. Remember, he missed game one of the first round series against Memphis. I, For some reason, I think he can get past this more than Kyrie because I think Quinn Snyder said, look, if it was close, we would have kept him in. But you're getting blown out, so we're taking the guy out. So I think he'll be, quote-unquote, okay. I don't really know what that means. Maybe that means 80% compared to Kyrie's 40%. But if you're the Clippers, you're kind of feeling okay. You took you took game three, and he's a little hurt. And, you know, in the first quarter, Kawhi did a really good job on him, and then kind of he went off, Mitchell at 16 in the second quarter. But I'm feeling okay if I'm the Clippers right now. Uh, more so than I might have if, you know, you just won one game because you're at home and he went for 40 and, you know, he was fine. Uh, we'll see in game four, though. Well, it's also the biggest thing with this ankle injury compared to Kyrie's is the timeline. You said he took the last 15 games yeah. of the season off. He's much further along. He's much further along. So that he, and he's probably, 
and I get it, he's a professional athlete, but he's probably not doing a whole hell of a lot outside of the game. He's just getting treatment and sitting in the yeah. hotel room getting treatment. Yeah, that's probably it. Where Kyrie's my, like, dude, you got to go play, man. Yeah. We'll continue it at 9 with the Jameis and Jameis Welsh, all your NBA action. But when we come back, NHL Insider Hockey Night Canada, Chris Johnson, he's going to tell you all about the Montreal Canadiens. Pass picked off with a board by Suzuki, tried to center it. Pullman blocked it. They both swat at that loose puck now. Caulfield gets it loose up front. Score! Toffoli! Tyler Toffoli! And the Canadians are off to the Stanley Cup semifinal! It's the Press Box with Graney and Bischoff on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Golden Knights don't, fans don't want to hear that a lot over the next few weeks. Tyler Toffoli of the Canadian scoring there. 28 goals in the regular season, 10 points in the playoffs, tops the Canadians. They're in town tonight. Buck drops at six. Game one, semifinal, Vegas Golden Knights versus the Montreal Canadiens. Please be joined now. Follow him on Twitter at Reporter Chris. It's Chris Johnson, NHL Insider and Hockey Night in Canada. Chris, how are you? I'm doing great, Dad. How are you doing, Awesome. Bud? Good, good. Well, let's get back to that, uh, Tyler Foley and the Montreal Canadiens, to uh, simplify it for the Vegas Golden Knights fans. What What is the one or two areas that Knights fans would should be a little nervous about as they face these Canadians? Well, I think the, the most obvious would, would be Carey Price, their goaltender. And, you know, he, he has an effect on Montreal, much like Marc-Andre Fleury has for the Golden Knights. But... Um, you know, he's, he's done it for a long, long time and has been at his best actually in these playoffs has been a huge part of, of why Montreal was able to emerge out of the North division and, and reach this Stanley cup semifinal. I, I probably just the second one is just maybe the, the way that the Canadians have played as a team in, in terms of defending, uh, they, they've been, you know, they've had a pretty good run against some elite forwards in their previous rounds. Uh, and keeping those players pretty quiet, not not allowing much to to get out their goaltender. And you know, I know at times uh, if if Vegas does have one small hiccup, it, it can be uh, the the goals can dry up. We saw that last year in the Edmonton bubble in the Western Conference Final for them. And so I think Montreal will look to to play this series tight and try to keep it low scoring. Yeah, there's a theme here in, in Vegas. Uh, Montreal, uh, if they're better, if they're Minnesota, but better in Minnesota, they have a uh, a very good chance here in terms of not allowing them inside and defensively being really good. They've been very good, probably the best defense te- uh, defensive team in the playoffs. Do you see that? I mean, this you know, talking to Pete DeBoer, they had to deal with McKinnon, uh, they had to deal with Kaprizov, they had to deal with these stars in the first two rounds, and they did a very good job on both. But they did they get to seven with Minnesota because they couldn't get inside them, they struggled, and it's almost like Montreal might take that to another level. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly think it's possible. You know, what, what what we face with now, though, of course, is you're getting into the third round of the playoffs. I know Montreal's had a layoff since finishing off their second-round series, but, you know, injuries and, and, you know, the physicality of the playoffs, you know, can can play a factor. And I'm sure, you know, one thing Vegas will look to do is, is get fairly aggressive on the forecheck and complete their hits, make it tougher on the Montreal defensemen. And, and you know, maybe they're not going to be able to be it's out in their own end if, if that comes into a, a factor here. But, you know, that's definitely the game plan for Montreal. What you saw from Minnesota is, is you know, a similar path to success for the Canadians, but whether they can, can execute it, can pull it off. I mean, that these guys haven't played a game in front of, you know, a full building in, you know, 14, 15 months. Uh, it's, you know, it's going to be a different atmosphere for them going into T-Mobile tonight. So you know, I, I think that there's a lot of sort of unknowns uh, when you enter this kind of series because of the strange season it's been. Uh, but you know Montreal will be 
dissecting and looking at what Minnesota did well because that is you know a way for them potentially to to make this a long series. That's a great point. 468 hours since a Canadian team has played a game in the U.S. Uh, I think you know it well, T-Mobile. The atmosphere is off the charts. They go crazy at that place. I certainly think it helped them uh, in the last two series. Well, Game 7 it did, and then the closeout against the Avalanche. I want to ask you this, though. In terms of hockey players, I mean, the, the juice tonight will be you know self-inflicted given the crowd. They go back to Montreal. If you know, I'm hearing 2,500 fans. I don't know if they're going to extend that. But that's almost an atmosphere the Canadians are going to be comfortable in because they've been in for so long. The Knights might have to create their own juice in that situation. If they steal one here, could that almost be an advantage going back there for them because they kind of understand what it's like playing in that atmosphere? Yeah, I think it could be, you know, and, and that will certainly be their focus. I mean, obviously, you go in trying to win both games on the road, but, right. but you know, Montreal realistically right now would settle for one of these first two uh, to open the series, and I think feel pretty good about themselves if they're able to accomplish that. You know, it, it's such a strange thing, I mean, having this, this season. I mean, basically, for any of the listeners who aren't familiar, I mean, basically in Canada, there were no fans all season long. Montreal got to 2,500 spectators in round one uh, for their final home game against Toronto in game six. Uh, and so, you know, ostensibly haven't played in front of anything close to a full building. I actually was in the, the building that night. It was, it felt pretty, pretty wild because, you know, none of us had been in that atmosphere that have been up here in Canada in that long a time, but, you know, it's going to be crazy there and then it'll probably conversely, uh, you know, be a little tricky for Vegas going back to, you know, a little quieter scenario. And so, you know, that's just the, the playoffs, I guess, are full of unknowns and injuries and all these things that can happen. And this year you throw in the fact that, you know, we even have uh, different sort of circumstances in terms of what uh, the teams can have for support. Were you more surprised with the Golden Knights in terms of what they were able to do with the McKinnon line, or were you more impressed with, uh, with the Golden Knights? Were you, were you more surprised that Colorado just couldn't adjust to that, or were you more uh, impressed with the Golden Knights? I was impressed with the Golden Knights. You know, I, when, when I looked at that series, I mean, it was two of the best teams in the league, you know, having to face off in the second round, and, and I just wondered if, you know, maybe some of that, elite, you know, that they might top out with more elite skill in Colorado a little bit and, and how that might impact the series. But, you know, Vegas did a great job of, of making it not, not be that impactful. And, you know, we've seen Nathan McKinnon have so much success in the last few regular seasons, you know, our trophy finalist as the MVP, uh, you know, but even playoffs, he's, he's put up a lot of points and, and, you know, they were able to, to keep him off the board. And I think that that's, that's a credit. Now it's, it's a little different task with Montreal. They don't have one player or even really one line that you zone in offensively. They almost have, you know, three lines that aren't super scary, but, but are pretty capable uh, in terms of producing some offense for Montreal. And, and, you know, one thing the Canadians are able to do is, is get leads in games. And so I think it'll be important uh, because they're, they're quite comfortable playing, you know, ahead one, nothing and in a tight game and shutting things down that, you know, Vegas can, can try to, you know, get, get Montreal playing from behind because if they do that, I just don't know if they have, the offensive weapons to, to play catch up in a game. It's Chris Johnson. Follow him on Twitter at reporter Chris NHL and Insider Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, one storyline that's already blown up here. I don't know if it will in Montreal is Max Pacioretty, the former captain, uh, traded Nick Suzuki, Tomas Tatar in that deal. Nick Suzuki has really come on as a center on that team, uh, drafted in the first round, the Golden Knights. Um, and, you know, the big the big storyline out is who, who won the trade. I don't know really if it's fair either way. I think they've both kind of flourished in their new roles. But tell the people in Vegas who didn't get to see a lot of Nick Suzuki before he was moved on what he's thought of and, and what is this kid's ceiling? Well, 
the, the ceiling's a little to be determined. I mean, he's still so young in the league, and and you know, I think it's it has been one of those trades that that really has worked well for both teams because obviously Vegas has been in a win now mode since they made it. Max Pacioretty scored a lot of goals, and and you know, some some offensive players are what the Golden Knights were in need of when they when they made this deal. Whereas Montreal was kind of in a reload, a retool, whatever you want to call it. It didn't end up being a full rebuild, but you know, they haven't been competing for a Stanley Cup these last two seasons, and it's only this year where. You know they've they've emerged in part because they have a player like Nick Suzuki who, you know, is, is a centerman. I don't see him probably being a top line centerman in the league, but you know he's got some skill and certainly you know for his age is is handling you know a pretty big load here in part because Montreal needs that they they don't have other guys to to play up their lineup as as at the center ice position. But um, you know one of these ones where five years from now I'm sure Montreal will feel like they won because Nick Suzuki will probably still be playing for them and. You know, who knows where Max Pacioretty will be at that time. Right. But, you know, that would probably be close to the window left on his career, I would say. Um, but, you know, if, if Vegas ends up putting a Stanley Cup banner or two in the in the rafters, I don't think anyone there will have regrets about making this deal. Now, you mentioned it off the top. I think people will watch closely. Um, uh, well, one, I want to get your thoughts because people just assume these are two Hall of Fame goalies. Eventually, they will both go in. Carey Price, not great in the regular season, has really turned it on. I think people here in Vegas, uh, except as this is Mark andre Fleury's best season, certainly statistically uh, one of the best seasons of his career. I want to ask you about Price, though, because of what he's done in the playoffs. Um, well, one, do you, do you think both are Hall of Fame goalies? And tell me about Price in the playoffs and why he's raised his level. I think both are Hall of Fame goalies. I mean, no doubt for me, if, if neither of them played another game from this point on, you know, I think that that's a certainty uh, just with the, the kind of careers they've had in, in Carey's, you know, uh, position. He's, he's been a Montreal Canadian from the start. It's, you know, the NHL's oldest and, and most storied franchise, and he's right up there in every key category as a goaltender. He's had, you know, international success with Team Canada at the Olympics and, you know, is really just considered, I think, probably the, the best individual goalie of his generation, but if there's someone else to be in that conversation. It's Mark Andre Fleury, you know, who's, who's got the Stanley Cup successes of, of Pittsburgh and, and you know already reached one final with the Golden Knights. You know, might might be at least another one here uh, in these coming weeks. And you know, I think for for Price's regular season, you know, some people wonder if if he almost is, is at the stage of his career where he needs the juice of the playoffs or a playoff race to get going. You know, he did miss the last four weeks or so of the regular season, injured, and so. You know, I think that, that injuries played a factor in an off year for him, but because he, he has such great ability and I think he's is comfortable in sort of these, these high leverage moments, he's kind of comfortable being uncomfortable, you know, which a goaltender inevitably is when you get into the pressure of a playoff, you know, he's been able to elevate and show some of his previous form. And, and you know, I do think that, that the juices are flowing for him. You know, we saw it form a little bit in the Toronto bubble last year when, when the NHL first uh, got going again after the COVID-19 pandemic. And so, um, you know, I think it's a great uh, goaltending matchup that way. And, you know, probably won't be a lot of goals as a result of these two guys uh, logging the minutes and in the nets. Before I let you go, one question on the other series. We're big Barry Trotz fans here because during the final yeah. a few years ago, all that guy said was hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. So I drink more water than I had in my life listening to that guy at press conferences. think he's a great coach. They take game one yesterday. Uh, he goes in and just changes things defensively. I think maybe Capitals fans are really mad they didn't pay him. But can they actually do it after what you saw yesterday? Can they do it or was that just Tampa Bay kind of not being focused? I still think I would have the Lightning picked in the series, but they can do it. You know, I, I, I'm sure that having watched them reach the third round last year under sort of similar circumstances where most of the way along you thought the team they were playing against was better, and, and yet they had a ton of success. You know, we've already seen them knock out Pittsburgh and Boston. 
uh, who are both a favorite over them. And so, you know, this is a team that can beat you on the ice and is beating the bookmakers pretty good here too as a as an underdog that, that keeps continually winning playoff series. And I think, you know, Barry Trotz and, and the buy-in that he gets from his players, um, you know, is, is a bit of an X factor that, that isn't necessarily captured in the numbers or, or what you look at when you're breaking down a series ahead of time. But based on what I saw on the ice, I mean, Tampa – is, is the, the most dangerous offensive team remaining in this tournament. And, you know, they barely had an odd man chance yesterday. They, they didn't score a goal until the final minute of that game on a power play. And so, you know, I absolutely think the Islanders have a shot here, but uh, they're, they're going to have to go up mountain. It's going to get a little tougher, I think, after the Lightning uh, got a taste of that first game. I expect them to push pretty hard tomorrow. Well, it's Golden Knights against Montreal tonight. Puck drops a six at T-Mobile Arena. Place will be rocking. Follow him on Twitter at Reporter Chris. It's Chris Johnson, NHL Insider Hockey Night in Canada. Chris, this was wonderful. Thanks, and be safe. Yep, you too. I wish I was there tonight. It's going to be awesome even watching on TV. Enjoy it, Ed. Take care of yourself, Chris. Great job there. Follow him on Twitter at Reporter Chris. Chris Johnson covers uh, hockey for Hockey Night in Canada. Well, you said before the interview you liked Barry Trotz defensively, and he backed you up there. Yes, and also what I was going to say was – so basically what he said was, yes, yes, Capitals fans should be very yes, angry. Yes, Hydrate guy <laughs> went. Hydrate guy does nothing but win. He just walks in and just goes. Every, every press conference during that Stanley <laughs> Cup final, he began, and I know he ended with, don't forget, guys, to hydrate. It's like, is this guy Brady with it's, the water? Well, it's also got to be like, he walked in and went, it's a desert. Yes, I exactly. got this. <laughs> oh, how about Montreal showing up yesterday to these temperatures, looking around going, what the hell did we get into? When we come back. Listen, I'm not kidding around. John Gruden speaks. Our stats hogwash. Are you tired of hearing Tyler do math on the radio? Tweet at Bischoff underscore Tyler and at Ed Graney. With Mark's value of the 11th Raiders. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. He's all about loyalty and tradition. And you don't have that if you don't bring your alumni back and honor them. And I think for him to do that with this organization in his first year as an owner sets a great tone, a great precedent uh, that will carry this franchise to further heights. If you can keep your alumni involved uh, and get the support from them, it goes a long way. And it really helps develop a lot of these young ladies that are out here playing today. Live from the Finley Toyota ESPN Las Vegas studios, this is the Press Box with Grady and Bischoff. Oh, he speaks. Come on, Jaddy Crude. Come on. What do you think about that? He was at the Aces game yesterday. Uh, owner Mark Davis also owns another team in town called the Raiders. Aces win, Aces win, 85-78 over Dallas. But that was at the halftime uh, interview. Head coach John Gruden, haven't heard much from him. Uh, in what, um, uh, five been, months? It's been several months. He's been anti, no, I don't want to say anti, he's been uh, no media for a while in terms of like, you know, talking or being interviewed. Or I haven't seen very much. He's. I think he's done a couple things with the team website, which, you know, that that's that's normal. That's fine. I mean, they'll do team website stuff. But uh, when you texted me yesterday that guess who's on the halftime show? Uh, I'm sorry, I was watching the Dodgers. I was watching the Aces. 5-3 uh, win over Texas. Um, yeah, we'll I get was to that little, at 945. Yes, I was. Uh, oh, is that what you got at 945? That's good because on the rundown right now, 945 has nothing on it. So, What do you think? What, what do we do every day at 945? Uh, rip we, the Dodgers? Yeah, we poke, <laughs> we poke you. Poke the bear with uh, Doc We literally Roberts. like... He is the columnist for the <laughs> newspaper of record here in town, and we mock him yes. on a daily basis. But no, the the funniest part about this whole thing is I texted you that, and yes. then immediately started panicking because I couldn't get away to record it. Like that was off of that's tw- off TV right there. Well, that was off that was off someone recording their TV. Oh, 
So everyone's excited that John Gruden actually talked to somebody. Apparently, no one, no one thought. No, no, no one remembered his voice. I mean, you have to play some Caliendo tapes to remember the voice. It, it genuinely was. I, I it, it, it's like seeing one of your family members at a uh, like at a ch- checkpoint, and you're like, "Somebody give me a tape for the VCR." <laughs> They're out there on TV. We got to go. I am running between studios trying to get this Gruden sound, and none of it works. How'd you get it? I literally went on Twitter until I found somebody who had recorded their TV. Wow. Everyone's excited. So John Gruden at the game yesterday talking about Mark Davis. Obviously, he's a a fan of his owner. And Look, he's exactly right. We make fun of, like, Gruden talking. We're going to talk about the Raiders at 8.15. They open up mandatory this week, and I absolutely have to guess he's going to talk during mandatory minicamp. That's usually what happens. Him and, and Derek Carr, I assume at some point, are both going to talk. But he, I will say this for, for Gruden in terms of Davis. He is right in that. We know what the Raiders do with their alumni. I don't know. Look, we're not around every NFL team, so maybe other people do this. I don't know. But I can't believe other NFL teams are more inv- invested with their alumni and the Raiders. They do a million things with their alumni. There's always alumni available if you need quotes or interviews. Uh, so I do think going over to the Aces, he's tried to do the same thing. Davis is really big into that, bringing people back. And I think that says a lot for him in terms of keeping people involved now with his two teams. It used to be one, but now two. Um, so I, Gruden was straight on there. I mean, and it's good that he got interviewed. Like I said, he was at the game. He's not going to say no in that situation. It's about basketball. He's certainly not going to say no to a situation like that. Um, but I'll be interested this week when he actually talks about the team he coaches. I mean, yes, and I also enjoyed the fact that I sent you a text message that was like, send Sam Gordon! Yes, <laughs> get Gordon down there. Uh, Asia Wilson, 19 over 28 in the second half. Bill Lambeer, that team can't guard Liz Cambage or Asia in the post! When we needed some buckets, we went to them. That's who we are. We are an inside-out team. Aces, uh, they had been off for a week. They're 8-3. They host the Liberty on Tuesday and Thursday. Follow all that coverage. Sammy Gordon by Sam Gordon there. You can also hear them shameless here. Plug. And you can hear them here on ESPN. <laughs> two, two, two shameless plugs? Yeah. I mean, why not? I mean, you could, yeah, you could listen to them live here. Okay, or you yeah. can follow Sam Gordon. Sam Buck, Gordon. Who, hey, by the way, Sam Gordon will appear on the halftime show. He always appears on the halftime show. Oh, does show. he? Yes. Okay, I should know these things. Yeah, well, if they didn't play the you. same time as the Dodgers, I might know something <laughs> like this, right? They play the same time as my baseball team. Almost blew the game yesterday. The Rangers up 5-0. Some guy from College Southern Nevada came in and almost blew it. Jansen had to close.